This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohn and Shane Dale, and this is not our typical episode. We're going to do a special roundtable episode. No buy or sell. We, we do that most times. You might call you it a, a, a big episode, Eric. A you see what episode. I did because of the big... You got it. Uh, okay. smart guy. Yes, okay. thank, thank you, Shane. All right, let's 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 get our guest right away. We've had him on, I think, uh, the most of anybody, and that is the voice of the Wildcats at McHale Center and Arizona Stadium, Jeff Dean, So, and the original host of this program. What number Jeff is Biden. it, uh, Jeff, or for, Eric, for, for Jeff, Eric? Is it 16 now? I, I think it might be above that. I'll have to go pull up the sheet as we go okay. along here, but it's definitely getting closer to 20. And then somebody that we've had on, uh, we're getting close to 10, I think, and that's Blair Willis, who used to work in the athletic department, probably did a little bit of everything, who was the SID for Arizona football. These guys know the ins and outs way more than Shane and I do. No offense to us, but it's true. Uh, so, guys, uh, Jeff, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, was this the right move going to the Big 12 for Arizona? I do think it was the right move uh, for, for several reasons. Um, you know, I think it just comes down to, Really, once you realize that the Pac-12 conference, as it was, was pretty much going to go nowhere, um, you just had to get off the the sinking ship, so to speak. So uh, I think it was the right move. It puts them not so regionally far away like some of our other Pac-12, uh, you know, brothers and sisters and, uh, you know, with the choices that they made. And it, it gives us, you know, some uh, rekindling of some old rivalries that we had from way back in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, which is going to be kind of fun to, to revisit as well. And and uh, some really new territory for Wildcat fans out there, places like Manhattan, Kansas and Orlando, Florida and Morgantown, West Virginia. So I, I think it was the right move. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that it was done. I, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't uh, lamenting the memories of Pac-12 that I have for the 47 years that I've been on this earth, but uh, I'm looking forward to a, a new 47 years with the Big 12. All right, Blair, uh, be honest with us. You took a lot of road trips with the football team, obviously, and, and other sports. Do you like this move or hate it? Well, given the situation um, that college athletics as a whole has been facing here in the last several years. Um, I think it's the best decision for Arizona. And I've really had that gut instinct since the day that UCLA and, and USC um, announced that they were leaving the PAC uh, 12 conference last summer. I just, you could see the writing on the wall of, of where this was going, not just for Arizona, not just for the PAC 12, but really for the college football landscape as a whole, it was really a matter of, is this going to happen soon as in say last August uh, or was it going to take another year or two or three years inevitably we were going to get to this point. And so for Arizona, it's a move I'm excited about. Um, really my gut instinct uh, or feel on this situation uh, since last summer was that I want Arizona athletics to be in a conference that is obviously A, relevant, B, has a chance to uh, get teams into the college football playoff and also be associated with and surrounded by you know really passionate fan bases. And unfortunately for me, you know having traveled with Arizona football and Arizona baseball and some of our other athletic teams for a number of years, um, you know, going back to the mid 2000s through about 2018, which was my last season with Arizona athletics. Um, you noticed some apathy setting in across the league. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate to say that, um, but you could see it. I mean, attendance for football has been dwindling uh, across the league. Um, participation in high schools, football across the West has been dwindling. And so, again, going back to when all this started to kind of take shape a year ago, uh, my gut instinct and my hope for Arizona football and Arizona athletics as a whole was I want to go to places where college athletics matters and where people really support their teams and that there's growing fan bases. And for right now, where we are in 2023, um, the Big 12 Conference is, is a great situation for Arizona. So um, I'm, I'm going to really miss everything that we have in the Pac-10, Pac-12, um, but I'm really looking forward to the future as well. And I think it's a good fit right now uh, for Arizona. 
Payne, you and I have discussed this, you know, is the is the Big 12. But we've discussed this ad nauseum. We've kind of be- gone back and forth. I were like, all right, stay in the Pac-12. We've kind uh, of flipped on it because at first you yeah. were a pro go to the Big 12 and I was I the was. other way around. And then we ultimately sort of uh, swapped. We kind of flipped. Oh, but yeah, before, it before it all came to a head, I think we agreed, okay, once Colorado left, it's like, okay, we need to, you know, get out of Dodge. Um, yeah, no, it was it was the only move I think Arizona could make uh, at that point when Colorado left. Uh, I I hope there's a documentary at some point on just what the events of Friday because you remember we woke up Friday morning and Brett McMurphy is like, whoa, 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 they might stay together after all. And then two hours later, it's uh, now Oregon and Washington are out, and then the rest of the dominoes fell. So it was a crazy, crazy Friday. And of uh, yeah, course, so, go yeah, ahead. And, and and I read there was an article Stuart Mandel of the Athletic actually wrote something that described what happened on Friday. Okay. And I, yeah, and I want to I want to ask Jeff about this part of it. Uh they said in that article that that Dr. Robbins came out and said Arizona was not leaving the Pac-12 without Arizona State. Do you believe that whatsoever? No, not at all. Uh I I don't think that that Arizona feels like they needed to either be attached to Arizona State in one way or another whether they stayed or whether they left. What Arizona was going to do was based solely on what the decisions were being made inside those buildings on campus in Tucson and nowhere else. Um, I, I don't believe for one second that uh, that anybody in that department gave a rat's behind about what ASU was doing. Um, and I think that's pretty obvious because, you know, after Colorado obviously committed to to their application to the Big 12, we were essentially next, even though they want to lump Arizona State and Utah in with our timing. Uh, I believe our timing was at least a good 48 to 72 hours before theirs. See, I think so too, Jeff. And that's why I had to ask you because anything related to ASU, of course, goes straight to you. Shane, I'm going to ask you this one though. Now that you've had some time to think about it since we did our last podcast on Friday, who do you blame the Pac-12's demise most on? Yeah, we've talked about this a little bit, but I I think it it starts with Larry Scott uh, and it starts back way back you go back to when they had the opportunity to add Texas and OU and, and declined. I think ultimately that was, you know, cause you remember back in the day before the PAC 10 became the PAC 12, there was speculation. Are we going to see the PAC 16 or the PAC 14? Or I think it was 16. So I think we're talking about Texas OU and uh, was it okay state? And I, I forget, but obviously that was a swing and a miss. And then years of not being able to add what should have been a very basic task of adding PAC 12 network to, to direct TV and some of the other platforms, that was a fail. And then, so I, I think that George Klyovkov was left to pick up the pieces. He, I don't know if he did the best he could, if, it, if that was the best he could do, that was, that was rough. Well, we'll just put it that way. I think it be, begins and ends with, with, with Larry Scott. And I, you know, the PAC 12, as much as I, like everyone else here, you know, I grew up with Arizona in the PAC 12, the PAC 10, the PAC 12. Uh, and it's a shame that, that the West is no longer apparently going to have its own power conference, uh, this was a move that had to be made, and it's a move that you, know, you look at football. The Pac-12 was very good at a lot of sports that didn't draw in much revenue, if any. Uh, football, they, they didn't have a college football playoff representative more often than not. Uh, they just were not as competitive as some of the other conferences. And even you know, going to the Big 12, even with OU and Texas leaving, I think there's an opportunity to – and it, again – it was a move they had to make. They had to, I, you know, like I, I talked about, you know, Mark Cuban says sometimes you should just shut up and take the deal. They had to take that deal. Was as soon as Oregon and Washington, I mean, really as soon as Colorado left, but when Oregon and Washington said they're going to the Big Ten, you've got to have that security, whether well, of course. it's a cultural fit or not. I think it it is to a certain extent. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, but it was a move they had to make, and I think it was a long time coming, and I think it begins and ends with Larry Scott's incompetence. So, Blair, I Shane and I were going back and forth on this the other day that I, I kind of blame Klyovkov because you get hired, you're making a seven-figure salary, and he's done legitimately nothing. Like, he's, he's just been full of empty promises. Would you point the finger more at him or Larry Scott or maybe even somebody like Michael Crow, who kind of defended all these guys all along? Ultimately, my if we need to play the blame game, which I'm really not sure it matters because as Shane kind of laid out, I think there's there's been blame over 10, almost 12 years now uh, that it can be pointed to. And so because of that, my blame kind of goes to the presidents and, and the CEO group. Um, you know, I think there was um, after some of the initial missteps that Larry Scott um, made, uh, both with kind of the plan for the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12 network, actually, my personal opinion with it is it was a good concept. And at the time and where the if you go back to, say, 2010 and you're trying to guess and, and predict 
you know, where the media markets were going. I, I understand why they took the gamble of creating their own network and trying to roll that out and, and have that as an asset for the future. Um, unfortunately, they they didn't think through the um, the distribution of that. They didn't get it on the most important, you know, distribution platforms right away. Um, and then when they had the lifeline later on uh, to perhaps still sell Pac-12 networks to ESPN, uh, which I think was around 2017 or 2018, they balked at that again and wanted to retain it through the duration of the contract to use now. And um, obviously we know what that decision looks like. So Eric, to answer your question, to me, it's it's, it's really president and the CEO group, CEO group of the Pac-12 they just didn't hold Larry Scott accountable enough. Uh, I know what, what back when Greg Byrne was the athletic director here and, and even before Dr. Robbins, when, when Dr. Hart was the, the president here, um, you know, I think there was some frustration here at the University of Arizona. And um, there was a couple other schools as well that just, you know, weren't very pleased with the way the rollout of the network was going, the way the revenues were being distributed, uh, really the revenue that just wasn't making it to the campuses. And, and ultimately, I think there's a number of presidents and institutions in the league that, you know, probably could have helped step up the accountability earlier on mm -hmm. uh, at the commissioner level um, that maybe would have led to a better decision and, and maybe taken one of these life rafts or these lifelines that were out there to um, get Oklahoma and Texas or to sell the Pac-12 network to ESPN or to a couple of years ago uh, when the Big 12 was in disarray um, to maybe go seek some of their teams or the teams that they were uh, like Houston that they were going to go after themselves to add to the league. So I think there were a lot uh, of opportunities for the Pac-10, um, Pac-12 over these last 10, 12 years and uh, a lot of failure each step of the way, no matter who was leading the conference. And ultimately, the, the commissioner reports to the institutions. Um, and so I, I put really the institutions and the and the presidents at, at blame for um, this series of poor decisions. And you, you know, know it's, it's funny, Blair. Ahead. Sorry, Eric, let me jump in here real quick also. Yeah. Uh, because those of us who have been working, you know, with the school and working with the conference for a long time kind of know who some of those institutions are who have been staunchly in support of Larry Scott continuing to, you know, to toe the, the company line. And it's interesting that three of those institutions are the four that are left behind. Mm. That's a great point, Jeff. That's a really good point. You know, I just wanted to bring up something about Pac-12 Network since Blair brought it up. When I was I was working in television programming here in, in the Phoenix area when the Pac-12 Network started and I applied for a job over there and I got an interview to, to be in the programming department of the Pac-12 Networks. And, it, you know, it was downtown San Francisco. They had this new office and I asked the salary and it was less than I was making here by far. And you're like, how are you going to live in San Francisco? I mean, you, you're not you can't go any further. And that's when I first said, now, wait a second, if they're going to be this cheap in San Francisco which is one of the most expensive cities in the country. What does that say about the long-term viability of this? And then obviously the DirecTV fiasco happened. And I really think that contributed. The, the fact that nobody was willing to make a deal with DirecTV. But I think you got, I mean, the thing is George Klyavkov, I'm going to give him more blame than most because he just hasn't done anything. I mean, you, you're making this money and you're it's all empty promises. What If we were in a job and all you did is make empty promises, you're not going to be employed much longer. I mean, honestly. All right, uh, Shane, what is your biggest concern about the new conference? Now that now that the dust has settled, we know Arizona's on the way. What are you most uh, apprehensive about? Well, from a football perspective, uh, obviously, the, uh, recruiting is a little bit different. And Jed Fish talked about it earlier today. We're recording on Sunday night for, for full disclosure. But he, during this press conference, he talked about, you know, it was his first press conference after the, the news was official. So we talked about it a little bit. And he, you know, of course, put the positive spin on it. And there are positive things, certainly the. Uh, you play games in Texas and Florida. You have the opportunity to recruit there. He noted that he's always recruited in Florida when he was a college coach elsewhere. He always you know, he got a start there. So he knows how to recruit Florida. So uh, on the flip side, if you don't have that presence in California anymore, and and he's he and his staff have done a great job in California, you know, Juice County with all those guys in particular, you you worry, is that going to be an issue? I don't necessarily think just because you don't play at a certain place doesn't mean you can't recruit there, but obviously that there there's a benefit to it. So there's that. The other thing from the football perspective is, you know, as a, unfortunately a, a lifelong Cardinals fan, uh, even when, when they were, when they were a good team a few years back, even then they go to the East coast and they struggle. They struggle at those games that started like at 10 AM, 11 AM uh, in the morning, Arizona time. And so I wonder if Arizona has to make some of those trips because you remember 
all their their conference games and the Pac-12 are always either in Mountain or Pacific time. Not not a big difference. Usually they're in the evening. Not a big deal. Now you got to worry about playing games in the Central time zone and the Eastern time zone. The travel isn't as big a deal. Brett McMurphy posted this about with ASU's travel and, to, and Tucson is is going to be similar for U of A about how the the flight tra- time isn't that big a difference from school to school. Except for West Virginia and yeah. Central Florida. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. still not, not that big a deal. Maybe another hour yeah. or so on it. Not even an, an average of that, but having to play at say noon Eastern time or noon central time, which is nine or 10 AM Arizona time. Is that going to throw guys off a little bit? I just think about the Cardinal struggles. I know it's a pro thing versus a college thing, but so having more of a, a national itinerary that way concerns me as far as on-field product. And then of course the recruiting aspect, I think that the coaches might have to expand change slash expand their game a little bit, which I think they're up to the task, but it's kind of, you know, these guys are, have really got into a rhythm in terms of recruiting. And now that there's going to be a bit of a uh, upheaval there as well, from a football perspective. Jeff, does the time thing really, uh, do you buy into that? Or is that just kind of a myth that, you know, we saw Mississippi state come in here last year. We're like, Oh, the time is they're kicking off at 10 o'clock. And they they stomped Arizona in the second half. Do you buy that? I think it's a it's a real thing. I mean, we've seen it plenty of times before. There's certainly been a precedent set for that for schools traveling a long way across the country to play in an odd time, you know, compared to what their biological clocks are used to. And I think we see it more with Western teams traveling east to play an early game, like Shane said, a 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. kick when it's normally 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. to the biological clock can be quite uh, a shock to the system. And as we've seen in plenty of times before, Arizona has traveled back east to play games in Pennsylvania and other places like that and had somewhat of an early kickoff, and the game was over at halftime before the guys woke up. So it, it, it is a real thing. I've, I've seen it happen plenty of times, and I've seen it happen going the other way too. I've seen you know teams like Ohio State coming to Oregon and, and basically not being ready to play. Um, so I've seen it both ways, but it, it, it certainly is something that that should be looked at and something that should be considered. And I think that it would be it would behoove the, the program to find ways to kind of circumvent the, you know, the lag that you see from that travel and the early kicks and things like that. Blair, what's your biggest concern uh, for Arizona now in the Big 12? Um, I'll, I'll get to a, a concern in a second. I kind of wanted to to circle back on the point sure. Shane made for recruiting yeah. being a concern because I actually th- th- there's reason for some concern there because there's ch- there's change and you never know how that change is going to affect things when you're leaving a footprint. But it's not like we play a lot of football games uh, in the state of California or even a lot of basketball games. I mean, once or twice a year we're you know kind of over there where our fans or our recruits can see us. Um, I really see this move as, as potentially an advantage for Arizona and. If you want to extend that to Arizona State, you can, um, because now there is, in our conference at least, there is no Southern California presence. There's really no competition to get those players. And when you, you know, think about where USC and UCLA are going, yeah, they're going to a, a fantastic Big Ten conference that obviously is going to compete at a high level in, in all the sports. Um, but if, say, let's say a baseball player or a softball player, you know, is living in, in Southern California and doesn't want to go play in the Big Ten and they want to get out of the state of California – Think of all the softball. I mean, think how softball has changed from what Arizona and UCLA did in this conference from the 90s to the early, the the mid 2000s. I mean, Arizona and UCLA dominated it in softball. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the country, the SEC and the Big 12 in particular, started building facilities and recruits started migrating east, going across the, the country. And so I still see every opportunity for Arizona to go into Southern California and say, hey, you know, get out of your home state, but don't go too far away play for us. We're going to play in Texas. We're going to play in the Midwest. We're going to be on ESPN. We're going to be on Fox. We're you know, going to be on those platforms where people can watch your games, not buried on the Pac-12 network or not buried on Apple TV, which, you know, what 10% of, you know, streaming subscribers might get at this point in time. So I think, you know, I think in all sports, there's still really that opportunity to recruit Southern California football. I, I go back to kind of the the lessons that we learned with, when Mike Stoops first took over here, that you're halfway between Texas and California. You can recruit both. Now we're going to actually have a footprint in Texas, like we used to have a footprint in California playing games. Um, obviously, we're still going to recruit the islands, uh, you know, Hawaii and the Polynesian islands. So I don't know that the recruiting base really changes. Um, and, and being the westernmost team in the league for now, um, maybe gives us that advantage along the West Coast for recruiting. What am I concerned about? I, I'll just there might be the opportunity for 
um, you know, let's say Arizona basketball in, you know, 10 years, you, you, you could see a, a potential brand reduction if we're not able to continue to win at a high level. And now that the stakes are going to be higher in a more competitive conference, maybe the, your, your returns over a 10 year period um, are, are a little bit more tangible. And they say, okay, well, you're not just winning the, you know, the PAC 10 or the PAC 12, which is one or two teams every year trying to get in the NCAA tournament. Now you're going to be in a group of six to eight teams that, that are, you know, really good top 25 caliber teams. And, you know, Arizona is going to have to prove itself year in and year out in that league. And I absolutely think we can. I think Tommy Lloyd's going to do a great job with that. But, you know, you do risk maybe losing something and a competitive advantage from being in a weekend PAC 12 or, always going to you know, be in the top two or three of the league, typically year in and year out. That's not going to be the case in the big 12. So we'll see how, you know, we'll see how that shakes out over the long run. Well, so one thing Blair that I've kind of gotten in trouble with on this show and people, uh, a lot of people on like Shane's disagreed with me and other people have, have tweeted me and texted me. said you're way off on this one. I'm going to start with Jeff on this one. Cause I know that he'll probably get fired up and, and yell at me for this one. I think Arizona this year, with a basketball schedule is too aggressive in the non-conference. I, I think having five really difficult games is too much. But I'm gonna let's try let's look at that, you know, forward to the Big 12. I think Arizona needs to be less aggressive with their non-conference basketball scheduling and more aggressive with their non-conference football scheduling now that they're in the Big 12 from 2024 and, and beyond. Do you agree or disagree with that? Well, this, the second part I will partially agree with you on. Uh, I do okay. think that they do need to be more aggressive in the non-con in football. Uh, and I do think given the now, I mean, it's it's an overwhelming, there's not a single person who understands sports in this country that does not believe that the Big 12 is now the newest big power in basketball. I mean, it just, mm -hmm. it period is. Um, so shaving back the non-con will probably be a little bit advantageous to them. They'll be able to build their Ken Palm resume throughout the Big 12 the rigors of the conference play. However, uh, I think what Tommy did with the schedule this year is brilliant. Uh, the fact that this team continues to go into the tournament and just get starry eyed and not understand what it's like to play against highly recruited kids that are motivated to win and get to the next level, get to the next round. I believe that Tommy had seen enough and said, okay, you're not going to work in March. We're going to work in November. So I'm going to put you to work. And I think it was a brilliant move by Tommy to schedule these teams. And I think the fans are going to, to really appreciate. I know they already do appreciate uh, the level of competition that we're going to be playing, although it's not always going to be in McHale. There's some neutral sites, some away games, things like that. But the fans will enjoy seeing their school playing the likes of teams that they're going to see in the tournament in March and in April and not some team from, uh, you know, a 3000 population right. town in, you know, middle Oklahoma, you know I mean? It's just, it's, it's, you know, it, it's such an upgrade as far as competition level and it will really get these players ready for what is ultimately the goal of winning a national championship. Blair, what I'm missing right now, and I looked at Shane and I talked about Arizona's non-conference football schedules going forward, did this the other week. Now, BYU's in there, Kansas State's in there, they're going to have to replace those games. But I, I miss that Arizona football is not scheduling the non-conference like the Mike Stoops days, where you had a prime opponent, you know, you had Wisconsin in his first year. Obviously, he didn't schedule that, but then you had Oklahoma State. Uh, I think that was Rich Rod's first year, but you had Iowa. I mean, you had these, like, teams, you had, what you know, you, the goal is to have, like, one decent non-conference team come to Arizona Stadium every year. Wouldn't you agree? There might be some consistency that comes here in the next few years with, um, you know, the, the power four now conferences and in, in terms of how many conference games they play. But given the schedules that we've been used to with a nine game conference schedule, I like playing kind of like ABC and uh, ABC tiers, like one A level power five, power four now type opponent, one, uh, you know, sort of tier down, say a, a group of five type team, and then a level C, either a really low group of uh, group of five team or a, um, a, even an FCS team like uh, NAU. So I kind of like that. And when you can build in those home and homes to where at least every other year, one of those power five teams is coming to Arizona Stadium. That's really the, the kind of the model that I like. And Blair, just real quick, I'm sorry, yeah. just to jump in also real quick on this, you know, talking about, you know, the power four, you know, the NCAA stipulations say that as long as the Pac-12 can maintain six teams, they will continue their A5 status. So they will still be an autonomous five conference 
in 2025 if they can lure two more schools away to get to a 16 conference. The question at that point would be, would the NCAA strip Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State of their A5 qualifications to kind of, you know, add uh, add insult to injury, so to speak. So I, I don't think that they would. So I think that the Pac-12 will continue to be a Power Five or the A5 conference in football. Shane, when it comes to scheduling, you and I have talked about this. Now that the, that the move is official, what would you do if you're Dave Hickey right now? What's the first move you would make in terms of scheduling going forward? Well, like you mentioned, you have they have to reschedule those uh, the would not would not be conference games with BYU and Kansas State. Are you so. calling Toledo now, or are you calling a real team? No offense, uh, Toledo, but I, just... I, I mean, I, ideally, I would, you would like to have at least one big non-conference opponent uh, at, at home, or at least in in general every year. And they have that at Mississippi State this year, so uh, I don't think it's as big a deal in football, especially because you know going into the, the conference schedule, you're playing a lot of tough teams. Like I think Blair, you noted that. From top to bottom, the Big 12 may be the most balanced conference in football. You know, there's not really a bad – even Kansas was competitive last year. We'll see if that holds up again this year. But you look down the list, there's – you know, there aren't – there really isn't a single gimme on there. There's not. And uh, so I, I'm – in terms of the quality of play, I think it'll be good in the conference schedule. I, I don't think that it's going to deter fans. You know, like you you talked, Eric, about how after UCLA and USC – how many big rivals does Arizona have left? I mean, obviously ASU, but beyond that, how many big rivals did they have left in the Pac-12? You know, you have maybe Oregon, but not a lot of natural uh, regional rivals. So from the football perspective, I think the conference schedule is going to balance out even a, week, a non-conference schedule. Let me just touch on basketball, though, because uh, it, Jeff is absolutely right, and you are absolutely wrong about this. Uh, I might I, be. I love the the the, the tough non-conference schedule. Uh, and then I also love the idea of, ha- of playing tough conference opponents throughout uh the january february and then into march i I like the idea of going of having that that constant test of those even if it leads to some regular season losses i've always talked about you know it's very very simple it's not easy but it's simple you get to the tournament and then you win six games when you get there as long as you get in you know it doesn't matter what cgr sometimes you're a winner or two sometimes it helps as we've seen it doesn't always help it doesn't matter you get hot at the right time so i i like the idea of having to play tougher competition throughout the season and going into the tournament being more battle tested as opposed to having some tough non-conference games and then having to you know arizona how much real competition did they face uh the last what 10 12 games of the season including the ucla team that was uh, had was missing two of its top guys in the pac-12 tournament all right but there's a difference between being 22 and 8 and 18 and 12 that's what arizona needs to think about there is ken palm all those things are you don't want to be 12 and on the bubble again we've talked about this there there you can be you can win 25 or 26 games and have a, a net ranking of 60 and be on the bubble and be on the outside in versus winning 18 or 19 games and actually beating some real teams on the way. And I still, I still think the selection committee will give you credit for at least scheduling those games. I think a loss to Duke outweighs a win over uh, like Oklahoma Prairie, A&M state or whatever, you know, no one cares about that. So I, and, and I, and I just like that. Plus the idea of being more battle tested going into the tournament. Do you agree with Shane, Jeff? On that? I do. I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, when, when you just don't, when you, when you take the writers out of it, when you take the, you know, the journalists, the writers out of it, Ken Palm is the, is the only ranking that matters when it comes to college basketball. And it will always reward teams for playing up always. Coming up next, we're going to do a few rapid fire questions for the guys. And then I'm going to give uh, Jeff's favorite topic a play. You'll see what I mean by that here on Wildcat Country. What's up, Wildcat Country? It's Robbie G, baby, and I am gearing up for a big year with Coach Jet Fish and excited to see what the Arizona Wildcats do this football season. And just like the football team, we stepped up our program as well with the official licensed U of A ice shaker, baby. Check it out and get it at fanatics.com. Bear down, Arizona. Let's go. Having a blast talking to everybody. Once again, Jeff Dean, Blair Willis, Shane Dale, and myself, Eric Cohen, here on Wildcat Country. All right, so our Big 12 Roundtable is brought to you by Ice Shaker. Check them out, icesshaker.com. You can get one of those beauties that Shane is holding on the YouTube stream, and you can use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, and get $5 off, or go to fanatics.com and get your Ice Shaker there. All right, we're going to do a little bit of a rapid fire 
before I go to our surprise ending tailored for one Jeff Dean. All right, Shane, I'm going to start with you. The Big 12 has been talking to other schools about adding, you know, about additions. Give me two schools you would most like to see be added to this conference. Um, I mean, it won't happen, but uh, just just because I feel bad for them, I'd say Oregon State to Washington State. I don't know what they're going to do now. <laughs> I feel especially bad for Oregon State fans because their football team is on, finally on an upward trajectory. They just beat Oregon in a big comeback win. Uh, they're, they're rebuilding Racer Stadium and then – who knows? They're going to end up in the Mountain West. So, uh, I and I just like playing those two schools. I kind of, I kind of just, I love like the underdog mentality. Of both those programs, Washington State, kind of being second fiddle to Washington, and same with Oregon State and Oregon. So, uh, won't happen, but I'd love to see the two of them join the conference. Jeff, if you're uh, uh, Brett uh, Yormark, who are you adding? If you get two schools to add uh, across the board. Well, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest here. I would stay away from adding any football teams right now, um, unless you're, you know, maybe thinking of adding San Diego State. Uh, and, and I would be on board with Andy's adding San Diego State. It gives you a Southern California market. It gives you, an, a, 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 you know, an elite basketball program or a near elite basketball program uh, and a good, solid football program. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, if you did that, then why not just add Gonzaga basketball as well? Um, and then just make it just the most ridiculous basketball conference ever. I mean, there's there are grumblings that your mark is thinking of adding Gonzaga and UConn just mm-hmm. on the basketball side already. And there's already been talks with Gonzaga uh, going back to last year about adding them to the Big 12 conference for basketball only. So um, I'm thinking more about basketball additions than I am anything else. I think football is okay. And I, I don't think other than San Diego state, there's even a, another team out there that, that we would even entertain adding into the big 12. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because there are rumors out there and I'll, Blair, I'll go to you with this one. There are rumors out there with Oregon state and San Diego state uh, being that, you know, you are Mark is talking to them, but I've also heard the rumors about Gonzaga and UConn for basketball only. What would you do Blair, if you were in your Mark's position? Well, I think you've got to think in in the big picture here of, of where this thing is going and where you as Brett Yarmark want your conference going and, and your TV partners of Fox and ESPN, where they want it going. I think the, the, the two elephant elephants in the room as it relates to expansion and realignment uh, really would be Notre Dame and then the ACC conference. Uh, Florida State obviously made a lot of noise last week out in the ACC and and um, they're, they're stuck in a, a very, very long-term media rights deal uh, well into the 2030s. So I, I think there's still a lot of big piece, pieces to move in realignment. And so if I'm Brett Yormark, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what the next kind of earthquake, like if last summer it was UCLA and USC leaving the Pac-12, what's the next kind of piece that's going to shake up some some big name teams. Uh, and I'm trying to kind of put that into my equation of how much more do I need and want to expand now and take a team like San Diego State or take a team like Oregon State versus am I content now and are the TV partners I'm with, are we content with what we have now at 16 teams and waiting to see what the next dominoes do. So um, I, I personally sort of like Jeff said, and I think maybe Shane alluded to it as well, uh, you know, would 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 welcome a, a Southern California team like San Diego State into the footprint. Um, you know, I, I'd be happy with them, really, from all sports perspective. But who do you pair them with, and and what's your longer term vision for balancing out? You know, kind of the East and the West versions of of your conference. Uh, while you may not play true divisions, you sort of can, uh, from a scheduling perspective, kind of um, do some favors to your teams if you have enough geographical balance. Yeah, I'm all about San Diego State. I think you guys are spot on there. And I'm going to go with what Jeff said. I think Gonzaga uh, is the way to go as well. And I think what you do there is you have an odd number of football teams. And I don't think it really matters at this point because they're not divisions. So, you know, they'll figure out a way scheduling to make it work. But I don't I don't really – I would assume you don't need to have an even number. The Big Ten had 11 for a long time. Uh, I, I think you can probably find a way around that. You just have unbalanced schedules. We know that. Uh, all right. Uh, number two, Shane, I'm going to start with you on this one. Potential rival for Arizona. What do you think will develop in football other than ASU? Who do you think will be the number two for Arizona behind ASU well, in you, time? Yeah, you, you think, well, you think historically, uh, and I saw the stat earlier today that uh, – Texas Tech has only played five other schools more than they played Arizona because they were in the border mm. conference together, I think from mm. 32 to 57. 
so they played each other a lot. Uh, Texas Tech, I think, has won 26 out of the 32 or 33 games, although Arizona won the most recent one in 2019. Uh, so they're, you know, there's not a natural rivalry there unless you talk to people's grandparents and great grandparents about it back in the day. But but maybe that that develops. I think that that's a possibility because you have to leap over New Mexico to get there. But uh, maybe Utah as well, uh, since there's that built in. Eh, it's not really a rivalry, but there's the you know, they play each other every year for a long time. And so there's that potential as well. And then you think about basketball. Uh, I think a lot of TCU fans are still salty about that game in the tournament a couple of years ago. And I think there's maybe that built in rivalry just because of that game, because of the way it ended, the controversial way it ended. I mean, it's only controversial over in the losing side, right? So it's controversial to TCU. And then, of course, Arizona, the, the players waving goodbye to the TCU fans after the game, which I still, you know, you, you beat a number one seed. Feel free to do that. You beat an eight seed like you're supposed to. I, I, anyway, I think there's a little bit, there's a little bit of salt there on TCU's side. So there could, that could be a natural rival uh, as well. So, uh, and then, of course, you got to talk about Kansas. You were talking basketball. And I think that's what Waka fans are most excited about is playing Kansas possibly two or even three times a year. So on the basketball side, I think those rivalries are going to be a little more natural to come across on football. You know, it, it's been, it's been ASU and and maybe USC or UCLA. It was because ge- geographically Arizona and ASU were kind of on an Island. In that. There's not really another one. There hasn't been really a secondary, no. maybe UCLA, I don't know. I in mean, basketball, Jeff, what, and then that, and that's what no, I'm no, most I'm sad. in football. I'm saying. I'm I know. Saying but I'm football. saying in basketball. That's what I'm most sad yeah. about. And and is UCLA and Arizona that rivalry discontinuing uh, is is going to be really unfortunate. Jeff, give me a few rivals in the Big Twelve that you're looking for for Arizona to develop those those rivalries. You know, I don't. I, you know, Shane. You know, hit on a bunch of them there for basketball. Obviously, basketball. There's going to be rivalries because you've got you know the the biggest dudes on the block. Uh, basically facing off against one another. So those are going to just happen. Um, I'm going to draw a parallel between fan bases and think that that maybe those two fan bases will just end up being so like one another that they just hate one another. Um, I've been to Stillwater, Oklahoma before. I couldn't believe how similar the feeling was to Tucson, the people, the way they embrace the teams, the way they talk about the teams, the way that they attend the games, the things they do at the games. It felt like being in Tucson almost. I think the fan bases are really similar. It's an interesting it's an interesting parallel, I know, but I think the fan bases are really similar. I think there's going to be some kind of a a kindred feeling between Oklahoma State and Arizona that will eventually lead to those two butting heads. And they did play each other 3 years in a row from uh, uh what two, 2010 to 12 they, they met in right. the, uh, the the Alamo Bowl and then the home and home they had after that. So And in That's basketball right. think back 2005 Sweet 16 Salim Stoudemire hits right. the game winner. Yeah. We won't talk Oklahoma. about what happened after that game but yeah. Uh we'll not talk right. about that. Yeah, we'll move on to that. All right, Blair, what do you got? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, Shane and Jeff both have had some good thoughts on it. Uh, football, I sort of maybe lean to Texas Tech just because of proximity uh, and, and some of that historical connection that will just get talked about and, and everything. And there may be a little bit of recruiting overlap as well, uh, particularly as Arizona may start looking into Texas a little bit. Um, I'll also throw out, um, you know, even from a uh, maybe even this transfers over to basketball a little bit, but but BYU. I mean, they're mm-hmm. a pretty passionate fan base, and and uh, obviously have a a large Mormon community in 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 Arizona that that's very supportive. And uh, when BYU came to Arizona Stadium in uh, 2006, I believe, I mean, they had you know a huge fan base down here and had a great showing in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. And so uh, I think for the Arizona schools that that BYU could emerge as a pretty uh, a natural rival in this league. Don't you make stole- me call David Hasselhoff there. I will call David Hasselhoff, and I will bring him to the game for those BYU fans. That was still one of the greatest moments of my life, watching the, the stunned looks on those Cougar fans' faces as the Arizona fans were just going berserk during the national anthem at the Las Vegas Bowl. And don't forget when he sang the national anthem, I think it was against Stanford, Jeff, uh, when Andrew Luck was playing quarterback as well. That was a big day when uh, Hasselhoff did that. Uh, So Blair took my BYU because that was the one I was going to say. I'm going to throw out a couple more for you. Houston, uh, Arizona has played them in football uh, a couple years recently. And in basketball, there was, I know it goes back a little bit, but the Chase Buttinger when the the guy from Houston stepped on him and, Arizona, Arizona was down like 10 with a minute yeah. left. But they used to play Houston right. almost on a regular basis. Like it was like yeah. a, during the conference play, they're what they have would have a non-conference game against Houston. I think the week they played ASU because they only played one conference game that week. They would also play Houston randomly. That that ended like around 08 or 09, I think. And and the other one I'm going to throw out is West Virginia. And you may say, well, that's the furthest school away. Why would you choose them? Well, think about the big football parallel. 
Who coached West Virginia that coached Arizona? Rich Rodriguez. Who played at Arizona in basketball that now is playing at West Virginia? Kirk Risa. If he sticks around another year. He could year, be a, su- a super senior in, in McHale I think Tom Duddleston pointed that out on, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. That that, that that could be a possibility, yeah. That would be another one. All right, Blair, I'm going to start with you on this one. Last of the, uh, of the quick hitters here. Uh, if I were to say I'm going to pay for one of your road trips, which I'm not that rich, but uh, I wish. If I was going to pay for one road trip to a Big 12 uh, city to go to a football or basketball game, which would you choose? Well, I'm going to kind of follow up on on your last point. I, I, Morgantown would be uh, where I want to go. I've never I've never been to that part of the country. Uh, I've been through a lot of the Big 12 country, uh, historical Big 12 country uh, up through the Midwest, but I haven't been out to um, kind of the Appalachian Mountains in, in that part of the United States. So um, I, I've heard a lot of great stories from from Coach Rodriguez and uh, some of his uh, football staff that I worked with that that he brought with him to Arizona, and and I would love to see a game day in Morgantown. I think that would be Really, really cool. All right, Jeff, your your call. You know, not as uh, not as sexy as uh, Morgantown, but as a man who always thinks with his stomach, I would ask you to book me a flight to Kansas City so that I could stay in Kansas City, go to the Negro League Baseball Hall of Fame, have some delicious KC barbecue, and then hop over the border to watch a game in Manhattan, Kansas, at that new stadium that they got there and the freezing, cold, driving wind of the Little Apple. I'll pass on anything that's just freezing. I'm out on that. All right, Shane, what do you have here for this one? I was actually in Stillwater a few months ago as well. I didn't, I was there for business. It wasn't for uh, for a game or anything, but I, I, I agree with you, Jeff. There was, it did kind of have that similar feel in terms of the size of the town and uh, just going, walking around campus and uh, spending all the time in the coffee shop there to get some work done. It, it, yeah, I, I could see that. That could be a fun trip. Uh, beyond that, um Ever think, are we talking just football here? Or, or yeah, let's, or let's go with football in this case. Yeah. For football, um, I don't know. I think a trip to, to Provo for a BYU game could be interesting just to get a feel for what it's, how crazy uh, the, uh, the the BYU fans get it, get it that kind of uh, in that kind of environment. Uh, uh, certainly for football, you wouldn't necessarily think Kansas K State, I think, is a good one. Um, yeah, Oklahoma. I think I get, I probably go with Oklahoma State, maybe Texas Tech, just because there there is that that rivalry, and I'm sure you could uh, ask some some older folks about the history of that of that. I don't say rivalry because it was kind of one sided, but but of that uh, the matchups that Arizona and Texas Tech had. I I probably go with one of those. I would say I agree with Blair on this one. Once again, I'm going West Virginia. It would be yeah. my number one where I to go see a football game out there. I mean, it's just a different world than we're used to uh, here in Arizona. The other ones that I would go either either Houston or Baylor. Um, both stadiums are new. Uh, Baylor has this cool stadium on the river and both teams have been fairly decent of late. So uh, I would roll with one of those. I'd also throw in Orlando just because, yeah, uh, I've, yeah. I haven't been to Florida since I was, or Disney world since I was four, since we did a family. I was, I was born near Orlando. So there you oh, go. Yeah? That's okay. Yeah. That's right. Your, so fa- I, your, your parents are, uh, are uh, Miami, Miami grads. Right, that's right. right. That's right. So hey, and don't yeah, sleep on Cincinnati either. There's good food in Cincinnati. Plus Skyline chili, Jeff. Could, I know you could, go, we could go visit Sean over at Xavier. That's right. I, I'm sure, I'm sure he'd love to see all of us. I'm I, sure he'd I love to see you, you Jeff. Go. I don't know about the rest of us. <laughs> all right. So the last question here, this is for Jeff. And I know Shane and Blair can opine on this, but I, I've been waiting all show to ask ask you this. So on, on X or Twitter, whatever it is, and via my own personal texts, I've had uh, ASU fans that have said the Big 12 target was us and not Arizona. Can you please explain to people why Arizona has the better athletic department over ASU? Uh, I mean, where, where do we begin? Um, I mean, first of all, we didn't make a, a complete clown show out of ourselves over the last couple of weeks, uh, <laughs> like our neighbors to the north did uh, consistently. And, and even after accept, getting accepted to the Big 12, continuing to throw shade at member, uh, you know, member schools of that conference. Ray Anderson said in his press conference, there's no way I'm going to Morgan. He's sending Gene Boyd out, Boyd out there. His, yeah. like his right-hand guy. Yeah. 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 His assistant. Go, you, you got to go make that trip for me. I'm not going to, to, to know Morgantown. I mean, come on. I, I mean, there are just, I mean, the list is too long to even, to even begin to start to, to speak out to it. The, the fact that there were demands being made by the president of that university saying that, because they're the largest media market now in the Big 12, that they would deserve a larger cut of the television pay. And this just coming after both Texas and Oklahoma tried to pull that card on the Big 12 just a few years ago, 
And the Big 12 sent them packing, said, yeah, you know, here's, here's where you can you can stick your extra, extra percentage. Uh, I mean, it, it, they just continue to show what what blind I'm it's it's not even <laughs> like it's not even a competition. And the funny thing is, is the fans in the Big 12 are already catching on. They I mean, they've already got the forks down symbol. People are already practicing it for their games, for the upcoming football games, for the upcoming basketball games. They've already begun practicing it because they realize what colossal clowns those people are over there. Well, in the Houston already they they, they do the the same uh, hand signal as uh, as ASU does, right? Isn't it Houston that does the same? They do. Yeah, they do. Oh, I didn't it's know like that. UH, I... Yeah, it's like a UH thing. Huh. Yeah. Right. I yeah. I didn't know. Uh, Blair, do you have any historical context just off the top of your head as to why Arizona was the desired target in in our opinions as over ASU? Historically, no. I mean, we could probably sit here and come up with a bunch of reasons, but I just go to kind of what where we are. We got to look at the present and you got to look at the future. Brett Yarmark leading the Big 12 Conference. One of his big things since the day he took there was he had a vision, a brand, a, an identity, a, a place he wanted to get the Big 12 Conference to. Uh, and he's really delivering on some of those brand promises. That I mean, that word brand for the Big 12 has, has been a big thing for Brett. And if you listen here locally, I mean, Jed Fish, the times that he's commented on it here in the last, you know, even maybe Going back to the spring, you might have been asked about it a little bit, um, talking about the brand, the brand of the A, the brand of the university. And uh, I think there's a really strong brand that's continuing to grow and has a very bright future for the University of Arizona. I want to I want to point this out, Shane. We have Arizona owns the all time series in football against ASU. Uh, Arizona, we I don't even need to start with basketball. We already know what happened there. Do we need to talk about uh, which team was more recently in a uh, in a in a power in a, in a new year six bowl game oh, i was arizona in 2014 yeah. uh, i think we all remember asu was what 1997 you can give me the rose bowl argument all you want but i can give you a final four argument so literally outside of a bigger tv market shane what am i missing here how is this even a debate yeah well and uh, the the rose bowl thing and i mentioned this on one of the i for some reason people called me up to do TV interviews the last few days. So, but one of the things I mentioned was that, you know, it's funny how much crap ASU gives you about never gone, having gone to the Rose bowl when none of their current players were alive when the last time they got there and when they won it, the one time they did uh, it was during the Reagan administration and who beat them the game before then it was the Arizona Wildcats and the Chuck Cecil hundred yard interception return. So I don't think Arizona state is as big a football brand as some of their, their fans and alumni, maybe even administrators think they are. Uh, they're just not, uh, even though they're typically, they, in most given years, they're better than Arizona, but they're still not a, a national powerhouse by any means. And as far as Jed Fish, you know, he still needs to get it done on the field. You know, he made some progress last year, but I do think though, he gets the importance of branding and using alumni, like bringing Rob Gronkowski back to, to coach a, a spring game, set the world record for catching a football out of a helicopter. It's like, what took you so long? What took anyone so long to to use these brand ambassadors uh, for for Arizona? You know, Bill Belichick. He's wearing U of A shorts on the sideline. He, he wore a U of A hat a few months. That's massive. Bringing these guys to talk to the to talk to the players about what it means to be a pro. You know, whether it's Bill Belichick or Steve Kerr or any number of U of A alumni. He understands that. He understands that even though Arizona is not a name brand like in football, like it is, is in men's basketball. There are opportunities there. There are former alum, there are alumni who can, uh, who have, have done big things in multiple sports. There are former people he used to work with who can, he can bring back and talk to the players and the coaches about what it means to 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 be a Wildcat and what it means to get at the next level. So, in terms of branding, and of course, the biggest way to build your brand is to win. And I think he's going to get there. But in the meantime, he has done more to elevate the Arizona football brand than any coach in my lifetime. Uh, and, you know, Dick told me to necessarily have to do that because they were pretty good when, when he was there. Uh, but, it, but Jed Fish has, has used guys from the Dick Tomey era and, and built upon that. And I think that's massive going forward. And that probably didn't make or break whether Arizona got an invitation to the Big 12, but it's certainly something that I think Arizona is going to count on and depend on going forward. All right. So our last point here, Shane, you get to be exempt for th from this one. Sorry about that. Blair, I'm going to start with you. We may not have you on before the season starts. Give me a just an early projected record of what you see for Arizona football this year. Yeah, I think just following up on what Shane said, I mean, we had improvement last year um, from um, 
you know, five, I'm going from one win to five wins uh, this year. I think it's important to get to six wins. And I think that's very much attainable. It's not going to be easy. It's a very difficult league, but I think I, I, I was out of practice today for a little bit, watched about 45 minutes. This team looks completely different than what it did two or three years ago. Shane, or, uh, Eric, you talked about playing Houston a few years ago. Mm-hmm. When we walked off the bus at Houston with Kevin Sumlin's uh, first season, Houston was night and day a more physically dominant team, just looking at the two teams, get off the bus, walk onto the field. Arizona now looks like a much more complete team. We saw the X's and O's on the offensive side of the ball last year, really pay dividends with the talent, putting playmakers in position. Uh, there's now more talent on the defensive side. And, and I've been very skeptical about uh, Coach Nansen and the defensive scheme, but I feel much better from what I saw in the spring. I feel much better with the pieces that they've added very strategically along the defensive line and at linebacker this offseason. So, I think it's going to be a very fun season. I can't wait to watch. It's most excited I've been for a football season uh, in a very long time. And if, if if Coach Fish and company can get this team to a bowl game, um, I, I'm really, really excited about the direction of, of things. Jeff, how about you? Uh, you? That's a great explanation, Blair. Jeff, you're always the eternal optimist. Give us something here. Yeah, I mean, Blair nailed it. I mean, six is the target number, obviously, for this program this year. you got to get to a bowl game this year. You've done the right things. You've said all the right things. Uh, to get you to that point to where you need to be representing this college, uh, this university at a, uh, at a, in a bowl game. Uh, and, and I think that, I think they'll get there. Um, I think there's a big win in this team somewhere, whether that's USC, whether it's Utah, I think Arizona is going to beat one of those two teams this year, and it's going mm. to be their signature victory on the season uh, outside of whomever they happen to play in a bowl game. Should they get there? Blair was right. It's a tough league this year. And Arizona's road to get there is not going to be easy. There's a lot of tough road games uh, on the schedule as well. And they have a tough non-con, you know, coming up, you know, in in a couple of instances as well. So it's not going to be easy for them. I thought it was, it was huge to get Michael Wiley back. He is such an incredible, just a reliable, talented football player and a well-loved and well-respected person in that locker room. It was a, it was paramount to get him back when I, when he was, when he announced he was coming back, I knew that we were going to be in good hands. And like Blair said, strategic placements of, of, uh, you know, replacement players on the defensive side may even circum, you know, circumvent the, the issues of having to install a brand new defense. So, um, I, I, you know, I'm looking at six or seven wins. I think it is comfortable for me to say at this point. And I do think that one of the two big, uh, schools are going down. Either USC or Utah is going down to us this year. And you heard it right there, Shane. I'm going to make you hold your picks for a few more weeks when we break it down here on Wildcat Country. But I hope you guys had as much fun listening to the show as as I and I assume the rest of us had for being a part of it. It was just awesome. So thank you, Jeff Dean and Blair Willis, for joining us. For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down. Bear down.